Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is a spooky edition of the podcast for Halloween. <laughs> so today we will be talking about the ghosts and zombies and ghouls of telecom. So any technologies that failed but were still haunted by the memory of that failure. <laughs> so joined with me is Phil Harvey. I am properly scared. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Definitely frightened. <laughs> and Mari Silvey with US Ignite. Oh, Matt, there are so many telecom ghosts in my past, I, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> uh, you were the perfect guest for this, then. <laughs> All right. Well, Phil, I know you've got a couple up your sleeve, so we'll start with you. What is one of your favorite ghosts of telecom, and why is it oh, spooky? Man. Yeah, this one this one is scary and just how quickly it came and went after so much hype. Um, I'll start out by saying so it's a combo hardware software thing. Um it, it was it's the Facebook phone, but it was actually the, the program was called Facebook Home and the device was the HTC first. Um it was launched in April of uh twenty thirteen. It was an Android phone with a Facebook uh, with Facebook as like the front and center sort of experience. Um, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg in USA Today, so it made national news, said uh, you're going to be able to turn your Android phone into a great social phone, and we're calling this Home. So he called the program, you know, kind of wrapper around the experience, Facebook Home. And they even ran uh, a minute-long uh, nation, nationwide commercial and, uh, and Mr. Zuckerberg did the voiceover. Have a listen. More than anything, we use our phones to connect with the people we care about. This is Facebook Home. From the moment you turn on your phone, you see what friends are sharing. Your latest messages, calls, and updates. Okay, I can't take any more. Um, he... <laughs> God, he can just summon the enthusiasm, right? I mean, what Man, a com- what a compelling guy. I you know, I don't <laughs> remember the Facebook phone at all, but I loved I loved the HTC phones. Man, I had two of those. I wish I wish they yeah. were still uh, hot Google properties, but Facebook, I yeah, I could do without that. <laughs> this is yeah, that the, the thing is, this isn't really a knock on HTC. It was just the whole concept of the thing. Um so, yeah, so anyway, he he in a, they did like a series of lifestyle ads. They did a 1-minute commercial that ran everywhere. Um right right up to the phone's launch. Uh, it was going to debut on AT&T's network. Pre-orders began at $99. Um and they started on April 4th. The phone was due to ship on April 12th. Uh this of 2013. Um people using other phones powered by Android would also be able to download some version of the Facebook home experience, uh, but it wouldn't be quite as integrated. And um, according to the Atlantic, uh, an article in the Atlantic, Facebook home was designed to be quote, a sophisticated Android launcher designed to take over the phone's home screen, providing users with a constant feed of Facebook content. Ooh, and that's Facebook, spooky. That is definitely Facebook specific messaging features. <laughs> I know exactly like Facebook content just coming at you all the time. Gross. Um, <laughs> so five weeks later, wow, <laughs> May, 2013, 
Here's the lead paragraph of Roger Chang's uh, story in CNET. And I quote, the HTC first, also known as the Facebook phone, was unofficially declared a disaster after AT&T dropped its price from $99 to 99 cents. Oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. So maybe the hardware wasn't exciting, um, but the standalone app did okay, right? 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 No. No, it didn't. Um, so according to Salon, more than half the Facebook's uh, Facebook Home's 15,000 user reviews in the first uh, few hours gave the app just one star. Oh, <laughs> that's devastating. Wow, that we've, I really buried that from my, my consciousness. That, that's really I, gone from my memory. Yeah. That was that was it. it, it the, uh, the, the review on Salon uh, called the new phone and the whole experience an un- unmitigated disaster. And I think the reason we put it out of our minds was that it literally came and went in uh, you know, in less like in about a month's time, yeah. like from the, from the Zenith of its hype to like it going away and nobody ever talking about it again. And AT&T completely disavowing all knowledge. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> I played the fifth. <laughs> and so fortunately it-, it happened in 2013. So there's like, you know, still internet traces of it around, but, uh, but yeah, I mean that it was, it, it was one of the, uh, you know, I, I guess great telecom zombies because it just uh or a ghost i guess because it just it it just went away so quickly it just you know vanished into thin air yeah they saged it really well and purified as yeah, the ball memory exactly. of it <laughs> so uh my next do you want me to do another one um keep going well, real or, quick or... why do you think it it failed so quickly just spectacularly the... yes uh, yeah i, th- I think people it just didn't want to be with... inundated with Facebook well, quite that much. I think Mari's reaction was actually the 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 key. Like as soon as I said, you know, a stream of constant stream of Facebook content, I could I could hear her kind of recoil oh, a bit. Cringe. <laughs> I think that's what everybody else did too. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what the problem was, was it was just too much. It was like, you know, people want choice and they want to be able to jump around from app to app and do different things. Right. You know, have have different parts of their lives connected to different apps. I think Facebook assumed that, you know, that they wanted the Facebook experience to basically um, appear and ride alongside every other app that you use. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think users drew the line was they were just like, okay, this is way too intrusive. Like I I can't tell what app I'm in, you know, what open or close. And apparently the hardware itself, because they were trying to go for a mass market hit, they went um, at the low end of the spec, uh, you know, for, for what a 2013 phone was, mm-hmm. they, they went to kind of the middle to low end and, you know, history says you always start out swinging for the fences. You know, you have to, you have to offer people something amazing in a phone or they just won't blink. Yeah. So I think it was a combination of all that. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Um, What's ne- your next Next point? on the list. Uh, so my next idea for kind of a ghost, a telecom ghost was just the idea of life without the iCloud or without any cloud when we were doing home networking and media sharing. Um, and what I, I'm sort of still, uh, I've got a specific device I want to talk about, but before that, I want to read a little clip out of PC world from, uh, March, 2009. And again, this isn't to say that this article was, you know, uh, laughable. What was, what's laughable is they're actually, doing a great job of distilling down the number of steps involved to get 
audio, video, and photos uh, between your uh, PC and your television. Um, and uh, all you have to do, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is just make sure you have a network attached storage device uh, that's connected to your home network. It can either be done through Ethernet or wirelessly. Um, and uh, it's generally referred to as a digital media adapter or a digital media receiver. So it could be called either one of those things. But you have to make sure that your DMA has an HDMI, a composite or a component video output. So it can connect to all those types of devices and your PC. It has to be online. Um, and then it has to be uh, uh, the storage box itself. The storage part has to be certified by the Digital Living Network Alliance, oh, DLNA. DLNA, of course. So that it can talk to all the other devices. Um, once that device is on the network, it can... It can uh, uh, stream from your your network hard drive uh to a to a media server if it has a UPnP universal plug and play uh embedded so you've got this nas device it's going to be connected to uh if if it's a nas by itself it has to be connected to a digital media adapter and then once you do that uh to complete the circuit you'll need a router preferably one equipped with uh wireless in and possibly wired gigabit ethernet and uh i'm sorry i fell maybe, asleep phil yeah. <laughs> my eyes started twitching <laughs> maybe a video game console in between in case you have to go in a you know like in through component video and then out through composite or something oh, like that you, and, and god you, god knows how you do the sound on it you remember how then we all got a chromecast and just hooked our phones up to our tvs and solved everything <laughs> See, that's the crazy thing. Yeah, it's like that, or you just like took the audio and chucked it up on YouTube, and then you could just watch it everywhere, you know, or, or, or the the audio or video. And that that's what's so crazy is like before these sort of cloud based services, or um, uh, or I guess in Google's case, just really savvy, um, you know, device to device networking. It, it was it was like three boxes and uh you know, and like 50 pounds of wiring to get, <laughs> to get a, a photograph from your PC into your living room. So you could show it on a television. And by the way, who the hell was watching, who was looking at photos on their t TV? Like how many people really were doing any of that? Um, I, 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 I question that that was ever a thing, but for some reason, uh, people had all kinds of devices dedicated to it, including the one that I want to talk about that I almost bought um, for, for reasons I still don't remember. It's called the free agent theater. And this was from Seagate. Um, Goodness. so this was a media player solution. It consisted of three components. It had a media dock, a PC dock, and then a free agent portable hard drive. And a record player and, and a VCR. It, it all, oh God, I wish it, had, a laser a, if it disc? had a turntable. I, if it had a turntable, I think going, I could Mari. actually sell it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's a blender. <laughs> Rotary um, phone. It, it really should have had an espresso. <laughs> it absolutely should have had like an outboard motor. Um, that would have just made it even better. Um, like one of those things you pull with a string. Uh, but this... If you can imagine this hookup, it's it's like the world's largest iPhone dock on next to your computer, and that's where you plug in a hard drive. And then you take the hard drive out of that cradle, and then you walk it over to your television, what? and then there's this like set-top-like thing with a big gap in it, and you, you shove the hard drive into there like a video disc cartridge. And that's how Seagate was saying you should take 
all your media from one device and share it with your other device. Do you know, back in our old house about 10 years ago, we actually had a Mac set up in the basement as a server, which we then ran a cord up through our air conditioning heating vent up to the comp- up to the TV where we plugged in the uh, I think it was Firewire at the time. Does that sound right? Oh man, yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. like that was our way to watch the internet in its early form of video yeah. on TV or watch home movies or whatever. That was our jury. Uh, Totally believe it. Well, the free agent theater, uh, I don't know if it's still for sale, but uh, it won an award back in 2009, which was, I think, the year that I was thinking about buying one. And, but was uh, it a CES award? Because if it was think, a CES award, was. I'm definitely skeptical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was a CES award for innovation, believe it or not. So it was really innovative to uh, take a hard drive, rip it out of one part of the house and walk it over to the other part of the yeah, house. Yeah, that does sound like a horror movie. Uh, so anyway, that still haunts me to this day. This whole idea of like, I, I thought somebody had actually solved networking and all they did was make me walk a hard drive over to my television. <laughs> so I don't feel net. stupid at all. Yeah, let's see who we can fool into this one. <laughs> all right. Well, I think it is time to take a quick break and then we come back. We'll hear from Mari about WiMAX and Ojo. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. This is our Halloween edition where we're talking about the ghosts and zombies of telecom. And it's getting really spooky. I'm here with Phil Harvey from Light Reading. I'm not going to do a ghost voice. I'm just going to talk just like me. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. And Mari Sylvie with US Ignite. Hey, Mari. (laughs) Hey there. How's it going? Good. Also not a spooky voice, but yeah, I'll work on it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Mari, you mentioned that you have a couple ghosts to share with us. Uh, where would you like to start? <laughs> well, I would like to start with uh, the 5G of yesteryear, if you will, which is WiMAX. It had, I would say, probably close to as much hype as we're getting now from the wave of 5G marketing. Yeah. And it sadly had quite the phenomenal demise. And the reason I think it's such a great thing to refer back to is because there's a whole diaspora of WiMAX refugees still roaming the telecom industry. All these people (laughs) who went through what was supposed to be 4G, or maybe it was almost 4G, or maybe it was 3.5G, or let's decide what it is, but it's here before LTE, except we're all going to move to LTE and suddenly WiMAX is going to be forgotten. But (laughs) one of the things I love about the WiMAX story is, you know, it was on its own particular spectrum. And back in the day when I was doing work for Motorola, they had a little dongle that let you connect to a WiMAX network. I had one that I got to carry around one year at CES in Las Vegas. And the reason this is so great is because they've made this big announcement about how, you know, they were WiMAX connected um, throughout the Las Vegas Convention Center and hotels, et cetera. And 
the thing was, most people, it's not like there were phones yet, and most people couldn't connect to the WiMAX network, but I had my little dongle, and I could walk around, and while everybody else is on the congested Wi-Fi networks and trying oh. to connect elsewhere, I had my little WiMAX dongle, and you know, had, and nobody else is on that network. It was just, it was just me, <laughs> <laughs> and the other WiMAX ghosts, and it was, it was the best connectivity I ever had at a consumer oh. electronic show, for sure. Oh, Ironic. that is so unfair. I think I was there that year. Yeah, no, it was good. I also, here's pop quiz. Who remembers the name, the brand name, like the consumer brand name? I think it was Sprint's name for WiMAX. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was Zoom, X-O-H-M. And somewhere, somewhere I still have swag. I still have like breath mints that are labeled zone somewhere <laughs> some some bag of ces past i don't even good? think i've ever heard it said out loud i've only seen it written down. i mean i could be saying it wrong i'm not sure that i remember how it was i think said. it's actually pronounced zool no i don't think that's it <laughs> that's hilarious I was going to say Clearwire, but Clearwire was the company that was doing. Yeah, Clearwire was the one that did the uh, deal with the cable companies too, where they were also offering Clearwire service. Because I tried that too, of course. It was like right, twelve yeah. bucks a month. Um, but obviously, that that was only one of cable's many forays into the telco space that did not work out well for them. Well, fortunately, they learned their lesson, and they're certainly not offering mobile service. Oh, 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 damn. Wait a minute. Never mind. We'll see how that goes. Mari, do you still have the dongle? I, you know. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's not funny, Phil. That's not funny. It's funny. (laughs) I I do not. I I no longer have my dongle. Sorry. It's been retired. My dongle's been retired. Yeah. On a shelf somewhere with the dongle. That's such a funny word. Man. (laughs) All right. What else do you have for us, Mari? What about the Ojo video phone? Yeah. So this, you can still see, I believe, the Ojo video phone in the background of NCIS television shows as the retro futurist. Yeah. It's like a random piece of hardware that's sitting as a prop in the background because 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. I haven't looked recently, but like within the last couple of years, and it's been a good 10 years since, you know, Ojo went away. um, Yeah. They just used it. It was just a prop. They didn't actually actively use it once that product placement deal was done <laughs> but oh, it's still really sits there sits there and really interested in watching the show but now i kind of want to watch have a reason if they yeah. have that phone still there so the the big thing about the ojo video phone it was stand up so it was the sort of equivalent of portrait mode if you will and the theory was that people wanted a video phone, a standalone video phone, because our regular phones didn't do this. And of course, why would you just use Skype that's free? No, no, you would want a standalone portrait mode video phone that would cost you, are you ready for it? $800 a piece. Damn. And they could only talk to each other. So you needed oh, to have oh. at least two $1,600, plus there was a service fee that they tried to charge as a monthly oh, service yeah. on top of that. It was unbelievable. Now, I happened to have one for free at the time, and uh, my daughter was little, and my parents also got a free one. We were, the, we were a little case study, internal case wow. study. So as a free product, it was fantastic. 
um, as a well, $1,600 product. Yeah, yeah. Plus, so Plus, most people didn't have fast enough broadband then to make it yeah. worthwhile. Just wasn't just wasn't good enough for the quality they were touting. But were you, were you running an Ojo phone over WiMAX? That'd be like the hat <laughs> oh, trick of, of old tech. I wish I had been. I think Ojo was gone by the time WiMAX got there. I, I can't remember the sequence of events. Oh, it's funny. But but there's a twist to the story, which is that I got an update on the Ojo Video product not a week or two weeks ago via email from somebody who read an old consumer tech blog post that I wrote on the topic, again, eons ago. It's a ghost. There are still <laughs> Ojo video phones out there, and somebody has decided as a pet project to make the network live again because they still found out that there were about 17,000 unique, unique sets each day still trying to connect to an Ojo wow. network. So they've set up the do reset up the domains and the servers. And for anybody who still has one out there, apparently it's now once again possible to talk Ojo to Ojo. You know, wow. in case in case that's just been sitting in your basement, you've been looking for an excuse to bring it out as the centerpiece in your living room again. Whoa. That's kind Would of that... amazing if it if, if it actually I know, worked isn't because... that crazy? Would that you know, even if it were a zombie? Uh, yes, like... right, totally. right. <laughs> bringing the bringing the dead back oh, to life dead. for sure. Yeah. But mm -hmm. if I had if I had to lay out sixteen hundred bucks <sighs> for a couple of phones, even if they went obsolete, even if they caused cancer, I wouldn't get rid of them. <laughs> I, I, I would just sit there staring. How at bad them is and... the cancer? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Are we talking sores? You know, so money for two phones. Yeah. Well, you know the one the one really good thing was it was good for hearing impaired. Because yeah, you could absolutely. obviously do sign language over the video phone. Oh yeah, I know yeah. there was a push in that direction at one point, but yeah, sixteen hundred dollars just was never going to be was never going to be sustainable. Shoot. No, it's it's so funny because that's what you would you know about eight hundred bucks would what somebody would say would be a re reasonable mid to high end cell phone now, right. and it not only does you know FaceTime or whatever the equivalent is, but all the other things a smartphone can do. So it's yeah. just like incredible. What a good ghost. Yeah. yeah. Slash, so, zombie. slash zombie. Yep. Slash yeah. zombie. Ghost zombie. All right, All Kelsey, right. you're up. Okay. So I've got a fun one for you guys. The Google Glass. Oh, which, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> came out in 2013 and allowed you to wear these really goofy looking glasses, but you could search the internet, get directions, take pictures and videos of anybody, anytime which is one of the concerns that arose from the Google Glass was people oh, man, were worried yeah. about privacy and security. I read that it was banned from some bars because who knew if one of these, as they were deemed glass holes, <laughs> was videotaping <laughs> you. <laughs> Can you imagine if they'd had those back when we were in college and people, if people oh, wore them to <laughs> college oh, my parties? God. Oh, my God. Uh, disaster yeah yeah I, I think about it though the one of the first sort of consumer news items i heard about the google glass uh head headgear whatever it was um was about a restaurant banning them like almost immediately so it's funny because the it, even man it doesn't even feel that long ago it was what was it six years ago mm -hmm. they were 
the backlash happened almost as soon as the product hit the market, which is usually, um, it usually would be out for a while. And then mm-hmm. maybe after Christmas, we'd get the, <laughs> you know, some consumers. <laughs> I don't are like not it. Happy. Not in my backyard. Unless yeah, it's the Facebook no, this one phone, happened, you know, <laughs> right away. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also read some articles that um, I think it was on Forbes when the writers were saying there just wasn't any clear use case for the Google Glass. Like what problem was it really trying to solve that another piece of technology couldn't solve for you? Well, like, you know, someday it's going to be built into our eyeballs. So that's just <laughs> what we have to look forward to. Right. I think they're pushing that whole um, agenda of because this was a big deal at one point and I could totally see Google getting behind this, this whole idea of like the smartphone would go away and instead the discrete components would show up as individual, you know, items, Mm -hmm, either, either things you wear or things that would be like ambient computing, you know, smart, smart home things or whatever. But it, it, it always struck me as short-sighted because it's like for, for that kind of vision to exist, you would have to, make sure that those items and the network existed in every single building you went into. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't even find a damn water fountain in half the places <laughs> I go into anymore. I know. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to trust them to also have like, where's my camera? Where's my processing? Where can I store files? Yeah, but and all sometimes that you still have the, uh, the old boarded up or taped up um, payphone infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you walk into a building. No, there used to be. A it is really there. cute when people rehab those and put little planters in them. <laughs> that makes me warm and fuzzy. Uh, yeah, is a ghost and I think also her. there's a problem of. I mean, you're wearing it all the time. Like with your phone, you can theoretically put it away, even though people carry them everywhere. But I, I think that just always on, people aren't ready for it. Maybe similar to the. The Facebook phone, they just don't want to be inundated with um, notifications all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I had somebody do an interesting exercise at a conference one time where they made us stand up in the audience, take our phone and then hand it to the random person next to us and said, okay, now put put that person's phone away in your bag or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. was on them. And the level of anxiety was so high at the idea that somebody else had your phone and your lifeline. And the presenter's point was that, yes, it's a phone and yes, it's discreet from you, but how long before we actually have these things more embedded into our actual selves? Mm -hmm. And it may just be a matter of transition time because we are certainly attached like nobody's business as a tether to those cell phones today. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, we're, we're running more and more of our lives on them and, um, and I guess anymore, I mean, maybe the devices themselves are a little more secure than they used to be, but the rate at which we're connecting to random networks Mm -hmm. that, you know, may or may not be secure is I, I, I'm increasingly worried that that's a problem. And I've, I've actually taken the, the extra bit of paranoia and, um, uh, I wear a foil hat. That's one thing. And then, uh, I'm picturing that second, now. I can, I can absolutely picture Phil in a foil hat. The second thing is I have um, a VPN, like a consumer VPN thing. Um, so I just, I just when I'm in a place that you know, like a hotel that has wide open Wi-Fi or whatever, I'm appreciative of it. I definitely like that, but I will just take that extra step and turn on a VPN just to just to make sure. That's very secure. 
Because I'm crazy. No, I, I feel like I should be more more active on that front for sure. Convenience yeah. definitely wins out, and that's not that's not the way we should operate. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's where I think the the but that that's also it's it's funny that it's it's what we crave, but it's also what I think keeps wearables and things like that in there, you know, on the sidelines for now is that that they're. Um, although I, I will say watches are and and sort of uh, things like that are far more popular mm-hmm. than I would have expected um, connected, you know, as far as connected devices go. But um, uh, but anything that that looks like it's going to be full time taking video or pictures, I think people get a little weirded out by it. Yeah, that yeah. does make my skin crawl a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting because I was looking at a, an article from 2016 and they were um comparing google glass with apple watch and saying like we don't think the apple watch is going to take off but that certainly has and then you know i'm wearing my fitbit um watch and you know there's plenty of other uh smart watches and so it's interesting that those took off but not the google glass but i mean it's not like i can take a video of someone with my watch well, and you know, you talk about the surveillance state, it's it's happening in other ways, even if we're not in control of it through our consumer tech devices. Think about the technology that's out there now on police cars that lets them record and do automatic analysis of license plates, like have license plates readers that are now mobile. And there's just such a broad scope because you have mobile vehicles taking mobile readings and automated intelligence engines, parsing those and determining where people are and, you know, based on the license plate and registered records. And so that's a level of probably not of unintended consequence to Mm -hmm. technology that's readily available, but we just never thought about it at that scope and scale before. Yeah, indeed. And I think that's where, uh, that's where it, it, uh, that's where it gets interesting. It's like when it starts coming out and affecting our lives as opposed to showing up in, in uh, laughable gadgets <laughs> or whatever. Um, I was looking at uh, the last headline that uh, we wrote that had the word WiMAX in it. So I just quickly oh. searched the light reading archives. It looks like uh, Dan Jones owns the, the the crown for for writing that story. It was a sprint plots WiMAX shutdown and backhaul upgrade. <laughs> and this was in April of uh, 2014. So that's the last we heard of why. Well, I, I, you know, I will say that if uh, if you turn to uh, me or journalists like me as predictors of the future, we don't necessarily have a good track record because I really thought WiMAX was going to have a future. I, I should say that up front. I, <laughs> I was definitely not the one forecasting it to go away quite as quickly as it did. For sure. All right. So we've covered quite a few ghost zombies and ghouls of telecoms past. Does anyone have a quick one that you wanted to wrap up on? Oh, uh, I have to remind everybody that Apple uh, announced a giant charging pad for all the watches and devices and then never delivered on it. So, oh, it, that's a good one. So many it, CES products like that. Died immediately and then and then floated around in the ether. And every time I can't find my damn watch charger, I, I'm haunted by the, the, the thought of how easy life could have been. <laughs> Someday all of those, all of our surfaces will be charging surfaces. I still wait for that. I do too, except for when uh, uh, the day I like touch something and it really does shock me. <laughs> scary. Very scary. And then Phil becomes part of the undead. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Even thanks more so than usual. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, Mari and Phil, as always, for being my awesome co-host. All right. Thanks, Mari. Happy thanks, Kelsey. Bye. Happy Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, it in the last. Keep that in, Tien. Keep it in. You're not. <laughs>